Hi, everybody. This is Amanda Andrews with New Hampshire Business Review for our Down to Business podcast. Joining me today, we have Mike Cody, our editor of New Hampshire Business Review and New Hampshire Magazine. And our guest today is Dan Hughes, the director of technology and engineering at World Academy, an infant through grade eight private independent education facility in Nashua. So welcome, Dan. Thank you. Great to be here. And I guess there is no way of continuing without learning a little bit more about yourself. So you, you're now the Director of Technology and Engineering, but what led up to that? What's your career journey like? So, How did you become Lego Dan? <laughs> <laughs> so that is my nickname. Yes, Mike. The, um, so about 15 years ago, um, 2009, I got a call from a friend of mine said, hey, there's this Lego competition thing over at Bedford High School. And... They knew my son liked Legos. They said, you guys should go check it out. So I took my son over to Bedford High School, and it was a first Lego League competition. And my son, Aiden, was always very hands-on. He didn't like to sit and look at things. If he wasn't in doing it, he had no interest in it. Um, and I couldn't pull him out of this event. We were there for hours. We were walking through the pits, talking to teams. Um, and one of the teams had said, you have to get your son involved in this. He's just asking all the right questions. So in December of 2009, we took a bucket of Legos, dumped them on my dining room table, and invited all his friends over to build Legos. And we started a Lego club. That turned into buy, and we did it to raise money to buy one robot so we could field the first Lego League team. And that began this really kind of amazing journey that I had um, from a guy who played with Legos with a bunch of kids on his dining room table um, to director of engineering and technology for, for World Academy. Um, this sort of became just a passion of mine with working with the kids, building the robots, doing the Lego competitions. And when Aiden finally was too old to compete, it was like, well, we bought all these robot kits and we had all this stuff. And I said, oh, I should keep doing this, but I have a full-time job. I actually worked for Velcro here in Manchester um, as a channel manager. I ran a $14 million budget and, you know, just like you do any day with your job, one day you come home and you're frustrated by things. So I started doing the math and, well, if I had this many kids and I did this many after school programs, I could make a living. And then I said, ah, I threw it, up, you know, put it back in the drawer, moved on. And then, you know, a couple months later, you're frustrated, pulled it out again and did what everybody who wants to start a business does. I turned to my wife and said, can I please do this? And she said yes and quit my job at Velcro and started my own company teaching robotics after school. The program was so successful. We filled up all of our after school, all of our summer stuff. And schools started coming to us and saying, would you teach in the classroom? Uh, Bev Broomhall, who used to be the principal at um, the Catholic school that was in uh, Goffstown, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Um, she actually was the first one to invite me in the classroom. And we got a chance to teach in the classroom. And then other schools heard that we were doing it. And so this business sort of flourished. I was traveling all over the state. I'd been out to Keene. I'd been to Nashua. I'd been up to Winnesquam working with schools. And just every day I'd be at a different school introducing robotics to kids and one of the school one of the first schools I started with was World Academy. I sent basically drew up an email, sent it to every school in New Hampshire, said, I want to teach robotics in your school. And Dr. Diaz, who's the head of the school at World Academy, said, Hey, would you come down here and teach down here? And that was a decade ago. Um, and last year Kathy Nelson, the owner of the school, said, Hey, we really want to build out this makerspace. We really want to STEM has become such a huge part of our school, but we want to kick it up a notch. Would you be interested in kind of coming here full time instead of running your company? So ended up selling my company and coming to work for World Academy um, as director of engineering and technology. That's awesome. And and it doesn't just go with robotics. There's a whole robust 
I would say, curriculum that you teach the kids. Can you share us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Obviously, being mobile, the, the challenge going to a different school, you're limited on what you can do. You have to have kits that you can roll in, build, take apart, roll to the next school. By being at World Academy, some of the passion that I've always had for STEM, um, engineering and technology specifically, I've never been able to do. So this year, because we have a location, because we have space, um, we've rolled out a 3D printing program. Um, we've rolled out an HTML program. We're going to be rolling out drones in the future. We're doing a podcast today. Um, podcasting and video casting is something the kids have said they have an interest in. So our hope is to eventually kind of do what you guys are doing here, let the kids learn how to podcast and the power of the ability to communicate things like that. So, I mean, the one thing that's probably been the most popular outside of the robotics has been the 3d printing, but that's sort of our scope is to be able to do so many things that are available to us. Yeah. Back on the 3d printing before we got started, we were talking about how even the youngest kids in kindergarten can get started and learn how to do things with 3d printing and robotics and all the stuff that you're doing. One of the one of the funny stories is I'll always tell people, they'll say, well, what do you do? Oh, I teach robotics. And they go, what grades? And they go kindergarten through eighth. And they're like, kindergartners doing robotics. Absolutely. It's all in how it's presented and how they learn. They're actually building the robots. There's motors, there's sensors. They're actually coding. It's very simple. It's a blocky type of coding where they're dragging and dropping. But they're learning the concepts and the principles without having to learn every little detail. What that allows them to do is build some confidence. They're trying it. They're seeing they can do it. When these kindergartners get a motor to spin or a light to turn on, they go crazy. They think it's awesome. Um, That inspires them. That creates a passion for them to want to go to the next step and want to go to the next step. Um, The 3D printing program we run, um, believe it or not, we have fourth graders in that program. And they're learning an app called Tinkercad, which is a 3D design program actually created by Autodesk here in in Manchester. Um, So it's kind of neat to see how our our local roots actually help build some of this. But they're designing, right now I've got fifth or eighth graders um, doing replicas of their own home. So they had to take pictures of their house and they had to redesign it in a 3D simulator. And then we're actually going to print the houses they can take home and give to mom and dad um, as a 3D print of the house. Um, the probably the best story from this year is a great partnership we have with a company called Pritchett's Jewelers in Derry. They heard that we were doing this 3D print club and they reached out and said, hey, we'd like to make pendants for your kids. So if your kids design a pendant, we'll actually produce them, put them on a chain and, and give them to the kids. So in the middle of this club that I'm running, I'm like, all right, we're changing directions. You guys, here's what we've got. And they're all like, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, we had kids who wanted to be in the program and even kids who didn't really know what we were doing when they heard we were making jewelry. They were like, really? You're making jewelry with 3D printers? And it sort of spurred this whole discussion for the class of like, what things can you print with a 3D printer? So we talked about, we went out and learned about they're making food with 3D printers, like cooked, eatable, edible, eatable, edible. <laughs> Don't let the English teacher hear me. Edible food that you can make with a 3D printer that you can eat. And they've had chocolate 3D printers, but I'm talking things like meats, mm-hmm. chicken, things like that that are being made with the 3D printer. Um, houses are now being made with 3D printers to, and this is going to, hopefully the goal here is to help cover the cost of, uh, to lower the cost of housing. Because obviously anybody who lives in New Hampshire or anywhere right now in the world realizes how expensive housing is. Um, so to be able to do things like that, musical instruments, medical, Mike and I were talking before about the medical advancements. Um, you look at somebody like Decca and Dean Kamen and the stuff they're doing to advance using 3D technology and 3D printers to build some of these things. So it's the sky's the limit. And our program, our engineering and technology program at World Academy allows students to see this in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, not have to wait till they're in high school to be able to do it. 
Yeah, and it sounds like World Academy is sort of take, tackling the issue head on with, with, you know, some of the STEM struggles that we've been having in, like, now. We need, you know, we need people in the technology spaces more now. And I think, is is that sort of what is happening in terms of kind of ramping up this production and getting these kids used to it uh, early on in their education? Absolutely. The, the, the STEM objective in our school is actually twofold. It's this engineering technology makerspace that we're developing right now in our school, um, where we're going to have the 3D printers and access to, to various technology, robotics and things like that. Um, but also, how do we spider it into other aspects of, of the school? The reality is in the, in the world we're in today, kids want to be hands-on with stuff. Mm-hmm. The days of sitting and listening to a lecture for 45 minutes and going to the next class are over. You won't keep their attention. If they're not engaged in something at the time, um, they lose interest. So we're actually working right now. The English teacher in our fifth grade class is working on a project where the kids all have to design a story. They have to design and write a story from scratch. As part of that program, we're going to integrate game design into that. And the students are actually going to design a quick little video game that is one scene from their story. So if they get their story done, if their story has the right quality, they can move on to this game design piece. So there's some incentive there to do what they want to do in the real world as part of the classroom. Our science teacher, Dr. Falaki, um, and it's interesting because a lot of, as you get to know the, the staff at World Academy, the, the staff is very well educated. Kathy Nelson, who's the owner of the school, has made a, a tremendous effort to try to get the best of the best teachers that are out there. And Dr. Falaki's a PhD. Um, she's teaching our science and manages our science program. She had the students doing Rube Goldbergs, which are um, like you, you have a ball and you got to get it from one point to the other. So we decided as part of the 3D printers that we had, if any of the students couldn't get a piece to work in their Rube Goldberg, they could go into the Tinkercad or draw a design. As long as it gave me all the design dimensions, we would print that component. So we had pulleys and gears and sprockets and things in their Rube Goldbergs that they asked to have 3D printed. So they're, how do we take these things from theory and put them into the real world? And, you know, you touched on the quality of teachers at World Academy. And that sort of brings me to my next question of education sort of in general, because we've we've seen that there's a, a struggle in the workforce when it comes to teachers. So I was wondering, you know, what are you seeing, not necessarily at World Academy, but in general, are we seeing like a, you know, we're seeing a shortage, but is, is this, I feel like projects like these can help teachers actually get excited and get students excited. And um, I was wondering what your perspective was on that. One of the things I think we do very well at World Academy, which is why we have such great retention of our teachers, is we empower our teachers to take control of their classroom. I think one of the struggles today in education is everything is so rudimentary, so structured. Uh, We have to prepare for this test or we have to meet this criteria that we're forgetting what education should really be about, which is educating the kids. Um, what we're losing, and I think, I think, my personal opinion is, I think we're losing the best educators because they can't bring themselves to the table. Mm. There are a lot of schools, you're handed the curriculum, follow this exactly. We don't want you, we need a body to teach this because this is what we're judged on. Um, and I think that's why we're losing some of the best teachers. Some of those innovative and creative minds are going to the real world because they're able to be innovative and creative and The reason we don't have that problem at World Academy is those teachers are encouraged to do that. Yes, here's a curriculum. Here's the metrics we have to meet. Oh, you have a better way to do that than maybe this section of the curriculum. 
Well, as long as we can meet the objective at the end, if you have a better way to do it, let's go and do it. I would go back to Sarah Bishop, who's one of our English teachers. Um, That's her whole world is centered around that. She was telling me a story one time when she hands out a writing assignment, she's getting up and she's talking about something. The kids have to take notes. She puts pictures all around the edges. And she encourages the kids to color them in while she's talking and lecturing because she's found through her research and her learning that kids actually focus better when they have multiple things to focus on. And that's very different than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, the teacher was up there talking. You didn't look in another direction. You didn't, you weren't doodling on a piece of paper. You know, you get whacked in the back of the head with a notebook if you were doing something other than looking at the teacher. So. I think those are the things right now is why we're losing teachers. Schools aren't allowing teachers to be teachers. And the schools that are, are flourishing and having success. The schools that aren't are struggling to meet that. So if this platform was a way to reach out to the school boards and the principals of the world, say, let your teachers be teachers. Your schools will be better. Your teachers will be happier. And more people will want to come to your school and be part of it. Now, your particular curriculum is ever-changing. If you're in technology, you've been doing this for a decade. Tell me a little bit about how you have to constantly keep up to be able to, whatever your kids are doing is current and the latest. And imagine it's also perhaps you have, you have access to a lot more things you could do now than maybe when you started. Oh, absolutely. When I got started back in 2009, it was all robots and it was mostly Lego robots. Um, since then, we've got the evolution of obviously first Lego league again here in Manchester. Again, I like to, the things we do in New Hampshire are so cool. And I think they get missed, um, because they become so big. I mean, first is, is global, but it was started right here in Manchester and started right here in New Hampshire. Um, Vex Robotics, which is another program that we do. We've had tremendous success with, um, in the last six years, we've been to the world championships four times. We qualified five. Um, And I've just had really good kids. I'd love to take all the credit as a coach, but really I've just (laughs) had great kids. Um, But we've been able to do that and and go to the world championships. Um, But you're absolutely right. The the technology is ever evolving. So in 2009, it was the Lego robots and the robots. It's 3D printing now. It's HTML. It's learning how to code. The next venue is AI, Mm -hmm. virtual and augmented reality. Um, Last year, we actually ran a 10-week course um, with a company, XR Terra came in for a 10 week course and taught fifth or sorry, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders how to build augmented reality things. And they did it all over Zoom. Their engineers are around the world. So they zoomed into a class, taught the kids, had breakout sessions where they worked with them one on one to build these augmented and virtual reality things. And the kids loved it. And that's, you're, you're right, it's constantly ever changing. Right now, the big push is artificial intelligence and what that's mm-hmm. going to mean. We're going to do an activity in a couple of weeks where we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, but I'm actually going to take the kids through a, a, an activity of how to use it for homework, mm-hmm. which the first <laughs> thing, so you laugh, right? And that's, that's exactly it. That's the fear. What you're hearing about AI right now is that fear of everybody's using it to cheat. Mm. The reality is AI, these, these tools could be a great tool for learning, asking questions, getting information. The problem is nobody's showing them how to use it to properly do a paper. It's no different than when Google came out. Everybody said the same thing about Google. Oh, they'll just use Google to cheat. They'll just copy it all. 
Yeah, they should have to drive down to the library, <laughs> go through some musty stacks like I did, take yep. out the microfiche, <laughs> microfiche, and, and Micah just keep scrolling till they find something. Right? I'd like to have people if they can do comments for your podcast like that. I remember Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, yeah. if you remember Encyclopedia Britannica? Click, you know, yeah. give us a like because I bought I bought it on like uh, CD ROM or DVD or something. You know, oh, no, and it's later. Well, yeah, but, but even then, it was already obsolete. Yeah, you know, I, I was, oh, I get those really, really cheap, like Encarta, right? Microsoft Encarta was yep. trying to do the same thing. It's online now. I always joke with the kids when I was in school. The teachers say you got to do a two-page paper on the Aardvark, but all you had was one encyclopedia and two paragraphs. How do I turn that into two pages? Yeah, and, um, and but, your mom only bought the first two volumes, but you had A's for Aardvark. Like my mom, did. everything on volcanoes. Wait, mom, we don't have V. Yeah, back on the research stuff. I mean, I saw something recently. I believe it was a Japanese novelist who had. He had used AI for like 5% of his novel. And it's just to do the task that, whether it's research or, you know, plot development and whatnot. And he was proud of it. So this is a tool. Yeah. And that's really the focus of it. How do you use the tools? Mm-hmm. Right. So I want to show the kids. We're actually going to go through um, how to use AI to do an assignment. And what I'm hoping to do is get the other teachers involved so we can pick an assignment in each class to say they're going to use AI to do this so you're aware of it. How much better is it than maybe what they would normally do? Did it help them do a better assignment? But go through the, here's what plagiarism is and here's what copying is. Ask the questions. I was in, in getting this curriculum ready. You can use AI to generate flashcards. So if you have trouble studying, you can load in, you could say, I need these words and these definitions turned into flashcards. And the AI will generate a flashcard system for you to help you study. Like that's how we should be using this technology as a tool to learn. The technology is also not infallible. One of the things that they will tell you about AI right now is it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It will tell you things that are absolutely not true, especially the more current you go. So knowing how to use it correctly and make sure you don't fall into those traps um, and you don't get kicked out of college for cheating and things like that. That's that's some of what we try to do is how do we use the technology correctly? That's, again, my vision and the vision that the school has for engineering and technology. Kind of like how Wikipedia first came out. You could use it as a a first place to go and then go verify because you don't know who put yep. that Wikipedia post together. It gives you things to think about. So most schools, if you ask a teacher, do you let students use Wikipedia? They'll say, no, I will let students use Wikipedia in my class, but I have a catch. They have to go to the bottom of the Wikipedia page where the 200 references are. Mm-hmm. They can grab any information from any reference. They just can't take anything from the Wikipedia article itself. Yep. Again, it's how do you evolve the technology to use it in a way that will be helpful. Most of the kids didn't even realize the reference system in a Wikipedia. They were just always told you can't use it. Yep. So they never went to the bottom of the page because they weren't allowed to go to the page at all. No, go to the page, but go to the bottom. Oh, wow, that's there. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get. And that's, again, how do you use the tools to accomplish certain goals? I, I think you're also in a very unique position where you've seen um, – and this is no shade to you, but uh, many decades of technology growth. And I think having that knowledge is probably putting you in the best place possible to like teach the next generation of, of all this technology. And is, I I feel like it's a passion for you. Oh, it's absolutely. I am very blessed to get to do what I do. I love doing what I do. I was at a camping trip one time and these guys were up juggling knives on the stage and fire and stuff. And they were asking for volunteers. So me being the fool I am, I raised my hand. They called me up 
And it was two brothers, and they were throwing knives back and forth and flaming torches. <laughs> the one guy says, what do you do for work? I said, oh, I'm, I'm a robotics teacher. I teach Lego robotics. Looked at his brother and said, this guy may have a cooler job than we have. <laughs> I get to play with Legos for a living. I get to hang out with kids. I get to create things. The best part of what I do is watching how they innovate. And I'll share this story real quick. I was doing a summer camp up in Winnesquam a couple of years ago, and I had this Lego kit that we got. And on the Lego kit, we had to build a submarine and then motorized it and it went around. And every time the submarine went around, it stayed level. I had one kid. It was like an hour-long project. I had one kid got the whole thing done in like 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what do I do, Lego Dan? And I go, he goes, can I build another one? And I said, well, I don't have any extra kits. He's like, no, no, no. Can I put another one on the other side with a motor? I said, you can, but you don't have the same parts. And then my light bulb went off and I said, all right, here's the deal. You can do that. You don't have the same parts, but whatever you build has to be level. Took him the rest of the class to figure it out. But he built a second submarine on the other side. So we had two going. They were both staying level. I was so impressed at the thought process. I made it part of the class. So when we come to that activity, we build the submarine. Okay, you now have to build the other half of the submarine, but you don't have the same parts. How do you problem solve? And that really drives to where my passion in this is. As much as I love the robots and the technology and all that stuff, to me, the technologies are tools to give the kids abilities that they really need in life, which are communication skills, problem solving, teamwork, collaboration, conflict resolution. All of my classes are required. You have to work as a pair. The only time somebody gets to work on their own is if I have an odd number of students. My policy in my class is everybody has to work together. You don't always get to work with people in life that you like. How do you, when you have an idea and your partner has an idea, how do we resolve that? How do we work on that conflict? Or how do we collaborate to come up with the best idea that shares everything we want? Those are the skills that the workforce values. Yes. So we spend a lot of time, even though we're building robots and playing with Legos and having a great time, I want you guys working together. Success for me in a class is when nobody's arguing. Mm. Don't confuse, and I always tell them, don't confuse arguing with disagreeing. Disagreeing is okay. I always tell them, my, my philosophy is the difference between an argument and dis disagreement is listening. When you argue, no one's listening. You ever watch two people argue? They didn't hear a word the other one said. When you yep. disagree, you listen to the other person, you come up with a solution. So that's, again, those are the pieces that we're using this technology and this coding and these video games and all this stuff we're using to teach them to be more prepared for life. As well as, can they code? Can they engineer? Can they do that? And the resilience factor of you're, you're going to fail or it's going to take you a while. Your head might hurt when you finish this, but you'll get you know? there. Right? <laughs> I, the first thing I told my kids in all of my classes this year is you can't get an A in this class until you get an F. You have to fail in my class. If you don't fail, you don't get an A. And they, it took them a second. I mean, they got it, but it took, like, especially the young, the older kids, the eighth graders, they're like, they know exactly what I mean. The younger kids are like, huh? <laughs> yeah, you can't get an A unless you fail. Wait, what? And then the ones that always have to get A's are like, they're all freaking out. They're getting, they're panicking. So it's like, no, 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 guys, relax. Let me, so we go through it. So, yeah. That's excellent. Well, Dan, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I think yeah. we're going to hear much more coming out of World Academy and, and your robotics and the Lego teams. And that's just fascinating. So thank you again for sharing it with us. Oh, my pleasure. I'll come back anytime and talk education. There's some amazing stuff going on in New Hampshire right now in education. So, I mean, as much as we're struggling with teachers and some yeah. of that stuff, there's some great schools out there in New Hampshire that are doing some amazing things. So it's it's great Agreed. to be part of this world, this education world today. There's a lot of positive to look forward to. And listeners, if we we're doing a video podcast, you'd see that Dan's wearing this really cool <laughs> Lego scarf. My Lego scarf. On a 60-degree day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Dan, and thanks, Mike. And for everybody listening, Thank you. be well.